Hey there, and welcome, friends. Thanks for joining today. In this episode, I am going to be bridging the month of January where I've been talking about effective hiring and nurturing your employees into February, where I am going to be unpacking the incredible maturation of our industry and highlighting some of the amazing pet business industry coaches, consultants, and strategists that we now have. So this week, I have with me a special guest who bridges that absolutely perfectly. Michelle Klein with Venture Dog Walking in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, has not only a unique hiring funnel process, but also has newly launched into the business consultant space with Dog Co-Launch, a really a boutique mastermind group. So welcome to the Pet Biz Hive podcast, Michelle. Hopefully I did a decent job introducing you there, but you tell us more about yourself. Yeah, that was great. Well, thank you. I am so excited to be here. Um, that did cover the highlights. I um, own my own daily dog walking on-demand company in Winston-Salem. Um, we have been in business for five going on six years and um, we are focused on this Monday through Friday daily dog walking. Um, I pivoted my business from full service pet care to daily dog walking back in 2020 in the pandemic. Um, and it went really well, learned a lot. And now that my business is established, up and going, um, you know, fully under the management of a general manager, it seemed like a good time to help other businesses that I know want to make the same transition. Yes. Management gives you so much freedom, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that is amazing. So uh, a little bit more about your business. So six years, and then you said you transitioned in 2020. Mm-hmm. What, uh, I guess, what was your real core reason for switching over to just that Monday through Friday model? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we started by switching our hours to nine to four um, and then dropped weekends at a later point. But the main reason was the further I got into my business, um, the more I realized I wanted to niche down our services into something really specific so that I could build the framework of a business around it that would support it growing. growing in a really sustainable way. And by shortening our hours and really defining down it, I, maybe the best way to put it is I cut out what we weren't best at and really focused on what we did really, really well, which was the daily dog walking. And we have a couple adventure services that our clients use as well. Um, that's and then, interesting yeah. that you, yeah, that's interesting that you say cutting out things and, and really focusing on doing what you're best at. I think a, mm-hmm. a lot of pet businesses want to be everything to everyone. And that is maybe the fear for some people in, you know, niching down like that, like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, and I felt that when I was a really young business owner of, you know, you are such an important extension of um, the family when you are in the position of, you know, their dog walker, their pet sitter. And there is this temptation to become a jack of all trades to the family. Um, And that's really hard to grow a business around. It's hard to put definition around. Mm -hmm. 
And when I just started looking at the metrics of our business and, you know, trying to step out of it a little bit to look back inward, what we did best and what I was most passionate about is helping pet parents who need extra support during the workday to be able to have a dog in the first place. Um, and yes. I just feel a real need for that in our community. Yeah, that's pretty credible. So that that's something I see that's really interesting and unique about you. Uh, the majority of the pet businesses during the pandemic were looking for additional things to do. They were adding concierge services. They were delivering pet food. Um, you know, it was a little bit of that knee jerk reaction. Whereas you had more of a, I mean, I'm sure you panicked like everybody did at the beginning, but you had a little bit more of a strategy to it of taking a step back and looking through that lens of like, what really, what do we do best and how can we double down on that? I will never deny there was not a lot of panic at the beginning. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, I remember the day they announced there were cases in our community and I looked at my phone and I, in the next 30 minutes, I had $5,000 of revenue, like of upcoming bookings, just cancel, cancel, cancel. You know, it's, it was terrifying. Um, but once I had taken, you know, a little bit of time to like regroup, recenter, I just had this moment where it was like, okay, this could go one of two ways. Like I could spend the next However long, you know, at the time we all thought it was going to be a lot shorter <laughs> than it ended up being. So, but I could spend this time, you know, just trying to hang on to what I had, or I can really lean into the fact that everything is disrupted and for better or worse, there is an opportunity um, to make use of that disruption and to pivot. Um, so that's what we did. Yeah. I mean, the entire pandemic thing to stop bring the book who moved my cheese have you ever read that one mm -mm. you've never read it really cute it's it's a you know a little narrative story about mice in a maze and uh mm -hmm. it, it's it's just it's a it's a business fable so it's bringing in the concept of you know things that i mean things are always changing in business and in life either way and you can't be so focused on the one cheese to realize it's not there anymore. You know, sometimes you yeah. just have to find new cheese. Yeah, it's cute. I don't know. I love I love business fables. I love reading in general. But yeah, that's that's one of the ones that I was thinking all the time during the pandemic is where the hell did yeah. my cheese go? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was really disorienting. Um, absolutely. It was very, very surreal, but yes, you definitely found the cheese with this. So, so you are now completely Monday through Friday, nine to four. Yep. And your uh, company wise, let's, uh, let's first get an idea, uh, a relationship mm -hmm. for everyone that's listening. How big is your service area? Like population wise? Yeah. So Winston-Salem is about 250,000 people ish. Um, so I launched venture dog walking in, um, we, you know, we've kind of grown out over time from our core pinnacle point. We started in a neighborhood that was pretty centrally located in the city over time, experimented a little bit with how big or how small did our service area need to be. We've settled on a, an eight to 10 mile radius, um, 
which I know for some communities might be really big, for some might be really small. Um, but I think the principle is, you know, we kind of tested it over time to see what made sense and what didn't. Um, and yeah, so we uh, um, we focus predominantly on central Winston-Salem, but we'll go outside of our area a little bit. Okay. So, you know, not even that entire population, probably just the most population dense part of it. Yeah. Yep. The actual city area. I'm not very familiar with Winston-Salem, but hey, I'm going to be there for the convention in the fall. So absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited to meet everybody in person. <laughs> I know that is that's going to be great. I am super mm-hmm. excited. I mean, I love, love, love conferences. They are so much fun and I'm so glad to be back to those. Yes. So, okay. So that is the size of your market. And mm-hmm. um, right now you have how many employees? 25. 25 employees. Okay. And you do have a general manager. I understand that runs everything. So so I have one full-time employee. The rest are part-time. And I have a general manager who, um, she's my one full-time employee who runs all of our day-to-day operations. And then um, I have a, um, I have a structure that I've built that serves this daily dog walking model um, with a combination of team members who are our service providers, uh, trainers who train the new team members, and then daily managers who support the day-to-day management functions um, underneath the GM. Okay, perfect. And they, I understand they kind of rotate around with their responsibilities. Explain a little bit about that. I know even after you were so kind to do two webinars to help our community out, uh, understanding your transition and how valuable that's been to you. That was even some of the questions that I was hearing a little bit along the way is like, how do you, how do you have people rotate in management? That's a fascinating structure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this plays in really well with the theme of hiring today. Of, um, and I know we're going to get into hiring a little bit more in a bit, but I, so when I first started looking at what model would give the flexibility that I know this industry needs, because anything can happen. You're working with live animals. You know, we encounter different situations every day where it's like, I never even thought to write a policy for that. I will now because... You know, you know, I know, you know. <laughs> 25 years later, those SOPs are evergreen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you think you have seen everything, but nope. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when I started realizing like, okay, you know, we have to build flexibility into this thing. Um, that's when I started really looking at, okay, how can I develop the trainings, the procedures, the policies? in a way that staff can move through my hiring model through the organization um iteratively like take more responsibility correlated to how long they have been there and how much responsibility they would like to work into um and build this in a way where you know inevitably staff transition um inevitably people get sick um so i wanted to build a model that was flexible enough that i could have confidence I'm not going to get pulled in the field. I have, um, you know, redundancy in my staff, meaning like if somebody calls out, I have somebody else trained to help. Um, 
And that's really where it started. And then as we got further down the road and started giving people opportunities to move up and with our hiring profile, that works really well. Um, just started realizing that there are also so many benefits to having that manager rotation when it comes to burnout. Um, you know, to the point where we set limits on how much people can manage. We set limits on how much people can walk. Like we really try and put safeguards in place to keep our staff feeling healthy, engaged. Um, I mean, I'm sure you know this. We're in an industry with one of the highest burnout rates when it comes to people sticking around. It's a physical job. It's, mm -hmm. you know, an anxiety job. It's emotional. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's where the model really came from, was thinking through all those different pieces and what model would really serve the longevity of this business. Um, because, you know, I mean, we've all had seasons, I'm sure, like everybody listening to this, where it's like, I could hustle and go get 15 or 20 clients. You know, I knock on doors, hand out cards, but really staffing this in a way where like, I'm not burnt out 12 months from now. That's kind of, that's different. Um, so I wanted to think through that with a long-term perspective. Yeah, that is, um, that's a mature way to think about things. I only say that because it took me a good 15 years in business to even grow myself to the point that uh, I realized the impact that I was having on other people's lives. So being mm -hmm. able to focus on, you know, that concern for burnout and mm -hmm. that culture of, uh, growing people. Um, I had a podcast uh, a few podcasts ago where, you know, I was talking about giving those levels to people to work through because it, it gives the opportunity to build leaders. You're yeah. not, you don't just have people who are working for you. You're building leaders that really want to step out into that space. Mm -hmm. um, the pet industry, it, it can be difficult sometimes to get into a career in the pet industry because it's, historically low paying, um, mm -hmm. but giving people, you know, that opportunity to really be able to contribute and, and have it be more than just about their little part in it, that yeah. they're working towards a bigger hole in, in your community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you and I, I'm sensing would really see eye to eye here, but I believe deeply, like people want to be part of something that matters. And they want to feel like they're on this journey. Um, and I think the more a business can give people a meaningful journey, just the better the retention is, the better the relationship is, um, and the better the employee is, like not just to the business, but also their own well-being. Um, so I tend to see hiring and employee journeys through that of like we're entering into like a professional relationship and relationships have you know, they have like a cadence of how they go. They don't just start and stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I'm, you know, just to speak generally, generationally, yes, that is the correct word. Um, I'm a Gen Xer. And I mean, the research just, you know, like Gen X and then into millennial and, and Z or I, Gen or whatever they're calling it now. The, the transition of the workforce wanting to be able to contribute, wanting, like you said, to be part of work that matters, that it is something larger, that they have social responsibility. Um, that is just, those are all things that it's just so integral for us to fold into our businesses and just bake it into who we are. 
because that is going to make them feel more connected Mm -hmm. to their work. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right. We see eye to eye on all that. So (laughs) great. Like, Ooh, kindred spirits. Right. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, you know, I mean, six years in, that is a great amount of time. The statistics for being in business that period of time, gosh, if you muddle those along with the statistics of lasting through the pandemic mm-hmm. in the middle of those first five years, um, it's incredible that you have gotten to the point that you are. So I guess in that amount of time, what are you the most proud of? Um. Oh man, that's a great question. Um, most proud of. Um, I'd like to caveat this with I like no like I did not do this perfectly, but I'm really proud of leaning in through the season of COVID um with my business and um because I felt it daily this temptation to like just kind of shut down Um, and not like necessarily like the business shut down, but just, uh, you know, it was so overwhelming. Um, My husband worked for my business at the time. So it was our only income. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And just the instability of like, you know, I mean, when it first came, I had to lay off most of my staff just because we, we didn't know we went into a five week lockdown. Um, it just, it was really scary and it, it just felt very, it, it felt like an opportunity where it was like, okay, this is one of those seasons where it, I just, I can lean in or I can hide. And I look back and I chose to lean in. I chose to lean in daily. I did have to take off a lot of time this year to recuperate from the burnout. That was kind of the after effect of that. Um, I spent four weeks abroad, which was amazing. And, um, but yeah, I think looking back, like the most proud is just like leaning in, in that season, even in the imperfect ways that I did that, like, you know, it wasn't perfect. I tried things. They didn't work. I tried other things. Some of them worked, but we found our way. Um, Mm -hmm. And that wouldn't have happened if I had chosen to like shut down in that moment. Yeah. And and that is something to be proud of because that's, um, I don't know, I can't really call it a, a skill set, but that's just innately who you are. Um, those of us that, that did go through that time, that just showed what we were made of. You know, it, it, you, you just put your head down and you worked your way through it. You know, we supported each other. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's very akin to other times in U.S. history where we've had those times where we've had to do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a resilience, that that is just the key word there. It's community and resilience. And fortunately, we had a lot of voices in our community that were that were strong, even if they were, you know, shaking whenever they were trying to be strong. Um, you know, they were they were there to really lift us up. So. Absolutely. That is a huge thing to be proud of in your business. So many of us that we just even made it to the other side and continued growing as you did, like amazing leaps and bounds. So that is awesome. So what kind of a growth opportunity do you see in your business now? Are you going to 
continue the way you are? Do you see that there's still a huge part of the market that you will be able to bring into your company? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you see as the biggest growth opportunity down the road for a venture? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about the future of venture. Um, so we've spent the last, really the last 12 to 18 months, really focusing on building an operation that has the flexibility to grow. Um, it With the duplication we have in training and the way we've structured all the positions, um, I really want to focus on, or not really want, I am focusing on growth this year. Um, and it's really exciting. I see traction starting to happen. Um, so I think we've really only begun in our community. Um, we grew a lot through COVID. We intentionally kind of backed off the growth to work on the model. And now the model's in a place where I really I think we're just getting started um, and I'm really excited to see what we do in the next two to three years. Cause I think it'll be pretty incredible. That is a pretty important thing to point out is that you said you had to, you had to take a step back to build that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people this year experienced such extraordinary growth that they got to the point where they had to say no all the time because they hadn't mm-hmm. had, they didn't build that structure. So, um, you know, I think that really is key to being able to scale that business is, is taking the time to step back. You know, sometimes it does require saying no, if necessary, um, and, you know, making more strategic decisions about how you are going to grow. Um, I, I love talking to people and finding out the, you know, the structures and the org charts that they set up. Like yours is very unique having, well, I mean, it's always great, of course, to cross train, but intentionally having that cross training point so that you can have several managers with um, equal skills, um, equal responsibility. So that, like you said, anytime anything happens, there is always someone that can pick up and continue on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's such a concern for a lot of businesses because they might be the only key to that. And if something happens to them, there is no one that can do that for them. So that's, you know, exit planning strategies. Yes. Well, and that was a big part of the core motivation because my, you know, my natural orientation is actually very growth sales marketing oriented. Um, That's the part I love. Like, I'm like, you know, what's our positioning in the community? How can we get people in? And we got to the place where it was like, I have to grow this mark or sorry, this operational arm of my brain. Um, because it doesn't matter how many clients I bring in the door. If we're just like the bucket has no bottom and everybody's falling out the other side, cause we can't handle the growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a big turning point in my development as a business owner is realizing it's not just about how many people you can convert to a sale or, you know, get them to book with your business. It's really oftentimes also about like sustainable service fulfillment and thinking through what that's going to look like, you know, a thousand appointments in a row rather than this one pet sitting gig. That's going to be this amount that it was just a big shift for me. Yeah. That is a huge mindset shift. You know, that kind of takes us to talking about how you, 
um, how you bring people into your company and how you ensure you are going to have that fulfillment part with your staff. Um, mm -hmm. Whenever you did your webinar, there were a couple of things that I found really interesting that piqued my interest. Um, one was where you said that you use Instagram to portray the vibe of what it is like to work for your company and that you you use Instagram as a pretty significant part of your hiring funnel. Mm -hmm. And I loved it when you said that you really want to put out there to your community that you are the best part-time service industry work available in the city. Mm -hmm. That really resonated with me. Uh, tell me, tell me a little bit, you know, since we're in this hiring series, how, how do you use Instagram? I'm, I'm kind of Instagram deficient. I mean, I think we accidentally have maybe like 300 people following us um, mm -hmm. because it's just not something that, I mean, I don't have a personal Instagram, you know, my mm -hmm. kids do, but yeah. I, I guess I'm kind of dating myself there, but um, I looked and how many followers do you have on Instagram? We're at about 36, 3,700, kind of in that ballpark. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so you, you actually do use Instagram for both your, I guess, your sales funnel and your hiring funnel. Mm -hmm. It is the main funnel on both sides. Yeah. That's fantastic. So tell me a little bit more about that. I am, I am all ears learning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Instagram is a concept for my, well, not a concept, but Instagram as a main area of focus for my business started when um, I started getting clients in and I started looking for common patterns with my clients. You know, what age are they? What predominant gender? Um, where do they work? And what was coming up is we were, at that time at least, predominantly attracting um, single women who were between the ages of 25 and 44. And when I started looking at that specifically, it came to light that the main place to connect with them was going to be Instagram more so than Facebook. Hmm. Um, so that's where the strategy really started. And once we started building and connecting with clients, um, it just became a really good platform to humanize the business. Um, and it's really our main relational tool. So anytime we onboard a client, we go and follow or find and follow their Instagram. You know, we make sure they know like, hey, we're going to be posting your dog. And this is where we post like updates and announcements on our business. So that's kind of on the client side. Like we really encourage them. Um, we also do on-demand walking. So like every day at the end of the day, we post what availability we still have open for the next day. And we try and do as many of these kind of daily engagement touch points to just keep people following along on the journey of our business. So this really gets back to what you and I were talking about earlier with the journey development when it comes to either employees or clients. I think that's just a fundamental human desire is to feel mm -hmm. like you are participating in something bigger than yourself. Yes. And I really see Instagram and the way it's set up as a platform is a really helpful tool in that because we're able to layer in these strategic daily touch points. Um, daily or weekly, just depending on the strategy we're going for. Um, and on the employee side, 
because we're looking at that like kind of humanizing journey, Instagram is such a great platform to give this behind the scenes of who we are as a company, how we operate. Um, you know, we will never have a shortage of amazing content just based off the industry that we're in, you know. Yes, exactly. Um, so kind of combining that with just the nature that it's dogs. Um, anytime you put a human face on the Instagram, it stands out by contrast. Um, because most of the Instagram is dogs and puppies. Mm -hmm. So having, um, more people, it just humanizes our brand and it curates this idea of like, who would we be if you worked with us or, you know, what would that be like? Um, we accept application applications directly through the link in our Instagram bio, um, so we make it as easy as possible to apply. Okay, so I mean, I know you. Can, that's one thing I know about Instagram. People are going to think I am so silly for like totally admitting this. I'm throwing myself under the bus. I know there is just the one link you can use, so you actually use that real estate for the link to your hiring. Kind of. So there's an application you can use called Linktree that. It, it uses the one link Instagram lets you have to nest other links that it kind of opens a page for. Oh, Lordy, um, people listen to this. I'm learning. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I feel the same way about TikTok. I'm like, I know it would oh. be wise to be on TikTok. And that's going to be a 2024 thing to think about. I just can't. Yeah. I need to find someone else with a heck of a lot more time than, than I have. Right. <laughs> um. Yes. So Instagram, um, Linktree. So, yes. Linktree. Link yes. Um, they have free and paid versions. The paid version is not super expensive. We did upgrade to that. It's, I don't know, eight, 12 bucks a month, something like that. Um, and so that is one of our links, but that is a great way on Instagram to just kind of build this bigger picture of who you are as a company, you know, the links that you have, we direct people to the bio and we make it fun. Um, and then the other thing I would say with Instagram is it is much easier to connect with other businesses. So if you're looking for like community referrals or just other businesses that are positioned similarly as you are, like as you are as a company, it is just much easier to, uh, to interface with them. I have found than Facebook. Um, and I found that more businesses are hanging out there, at least in my community. Hmm. So that is fascinating. So, okay. So that is the way I do you actually put out the like ads on Instagram for hiring or is it just your followers are naturally coming to you because of the content and they follow you to your link? Yeah, great question. Um, so we actually do not run very many ads unless we are in like a pretty high target hiring season. Most often what we'll do is we'll post on Instagram. Um, we'll do a post, we'll tag it to our stories. And then we just look for creative ways to do engagement around that post. Um, so we may go in as an example and tag um, other businesses that we collaborate with so that they'll post it on their stories and boost more visibility. Or we may put out an ask to our clients for them to share it on their stories. Um, 
And that's a pretty quick way to get several thousand eyeballs on a hiring ad or a hiring message. Um, if we do ads, it's on Facebook. Um, but I really only run ads if we're not getting traction elsewhere amongst our community partners. Do you usually do you usually get a pretty uh, steady flow? I mean, I've noticed that the labor market is loosening up a little bit now, so it's you know a little bit less of a challenge than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, your community partners, you really do have a good solid network of bringing great people in. Yeah, we at all times have three to five people in our hiring pipeline that we're nurturing, courting, um, moving them through the funnel. You know, we may not be able to hire them right away. We're very transparent of, you know, we're always looking for the right fit. Um, If we can offer you hours, we will. If this is mutually, you know, fit, if we're not in a season where we really need people right away. Um, And then if the pipeline starts looking a little lighter, that's when we'll start to really amp up. But I'm very big on proactive marketing um, for the hiring. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of companies get nervous to do that because they... They just get nervous, like, well, I don't need them, like, right this second. But I'm very big on, like, you do not want to be in a pinch. You want to have the right people lined up um, so that when you're ready to make a move, you can put them in on your timing. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always be hiring. Always, like you said, have somebody in the funnel. It's, I think a lot of people, it's the chicken or the egg. Like, oh, do I, do I need to market a bunch first before I hire somebody? Or they're really Mm. nervous about not feeling like they have enough for someone Mm. where Mm -hmm. probably there is a someone out there where it's the perfect amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think that's where um, I found at least that transparency and expectation setting matters a lot more than, you know, being able to craft the exact perfect, perfect thing, because you don't know that individual, like they may come in and be like, I really want to start at 12 hours a week, that feels good to me as I'm getting in this position where you know, I build it up in my mind, like, oh, they're going to want 25 hours. I don't know if I do that right now. You know, it's, we create these stories in our head that aren't always helpful. Yes. Yeah. We always like to do a slow build with everybody anyway. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're transparent yeah. about that. We, we tell them when we're going through the hiring, we don't literally throw you to the dogs right away. We, we yeah. are a slow build because there's yeah. a lot to know. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like this is all in my head and there's so much of it that's common sense. But the response that we get from new hires, they're really overwhelmed with the process that we go through and the intention that we have behind it and the detail. So we always have to take a step back and think about what it is like onboarding with us from their perspective. And they, you know, they need some time. They need some time. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Oh man, that is, that is incredible. I mean, that's, I don't know how many other people use Instagram for that purpose, but, um, it's, it's great to hear of using that technique for both, uh, the actual sales funnel and the hiring funnel. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to take, I'm going to take some of those tips myself and I'm sure other people listening are too, because I cannot be the only one, right? Yeah. Please please help me feel better. (laughs) No, I mean, Instagram is, it's, there's a learning curve, but I'm pretty passionate about it. I think it's a really, really wonderful funnel. That's amazing. Well, I'm going to pick your brain now. I know who to come to, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, everybody's getting their own private coaching session right here. Um, I mean, I guess that bridges me right into February. You know, we're heading into, of course, the next month where we're going to talk about um, all of the amazing strategists, consultants in this space. And, you know, we briefly touched on Doggo Launch uh, when we first started this podcast. Um, tell listeners a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is an idea I've been kicking around for shaping up for quite a while. Um, but so over time, I have seen so many companies post in all the groups that I know you and I are both in that many companies at some point want to transition away from full service pet care into the daily dog walking space like we did and feel like that is an unapproachable decision. Like it, they're not sure how to do it. They don't want to upset clients, how to transition staff. And after doing that successfully with my company, um, I feel very passionate about helping other companies because it, for us, it was a really wonderful move. And I feel very confident that, you know, if it's something a company wants to do that they can. Um, so dog co launch was, born from that idea of providing more resources for daily dog walking companies specifically, um, how to structure them, how to transition your business to them, um, and then all of the different ways to bring in daily dog walking clients. That's another thing I see people ask about a lot is how to find dog walking clients specifically um, and not just clients who are looking for a full service pet care business. Um, so yeah, that is the formation and then just providing people resources to make that transition successfully. Yeah, that is, um, that is a pretty great niche to have. Um, and yes, like you said, it's the forums are full of people asking about that. So, you know, getting, uh, helping really consult because that is just such a very, very specific thing to work with people on. So in that consultant mm -hmm. space of really helping them see the possibility of creating that extra margin and freedom in their life. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to be for everyone, of course. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in, in our situation, we're currently like half and half. And mm -hmm. it just wouldn't, sorry, half dog walking, half pet sitting. Mm -hmm. And it just wouldn't be a practical thing for us. Mm -hmm. But um, there are so many that, you know, maybe are in a more heavily dense populated area where they're, you know, pushing that, you know, 70% dog walking that, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, sometimes it's taking a step backwards and reassessing your base, figuring out who you do want to serve and who you're going to be in your community to be able to take that leap forward, mm -hmm. which is what you've done. And mm -hmm. that's your area of expertise now. I love that you are bringing that mm -hmm. to our community. I'm sure people that are listening are like, oh my God, I want to do that. <laughs> you know, not, to be, not to be called out on a Saturday night for a 7.30 dog walk or something like yeah. that. So. Yes, we do all of that too. So that is pretty amazing. I totally understand how important that is going to be to the industry. Um, I love that. 
thank you so much for being here with me today. I mean, this was just a, sp a spontaneous, you know, you just had your webinar and I'm like, hey, Michelle, I've got an idea and you were game to come play with me. <laughs> well, I appreciate you asking. It was great to connect and um, yeah, it's, I'm excited to be in this space and, you know, see what the next year holds. That is great. Well, wonderful, everybody. So Michelle Klein, again, with Adventure Dog Walking and Dog Co. Launch. How can people most easily get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my website, dogcolaunch.com, is a great place to start. Getting ramped up on Facebook and Instagram, of course, <laughs> as well. Of course. <laughs> um, of course. So um, those are both Dog Co. Launch. And um, yeah, I would love for anybody to connect with me, even if you're just, you know, considering if this would be the right call for your business. I would love to have a call and hear more about who you are and what you're looking to do and, all you know, masterminds and all the stuff going on, but really just want to connect with other people and, you know, see if I can help. So those would be all the places. Hmm. This is going to be a heart project for you. I can definitely tell. Yeah. Well, that is so great. And I will also have all that information down in the show notes so anybody can access it easily. But thank you again. I appreciate you so much. And I know everybody has enjoyed listening to this little bit. Awesome. Thank you, Janie. You take care.